Hello everyone, I hope you had a good Valentine's Day yesterday, and I uh, hope you're looking forward to tomorrow night, which will be Wednesday, February 16th, uh, when we'll resume our 1 Corinthians study, uh, moving on into chapter 10. But first of all, a little more about that later. First of all, we're going to look at um, the passage we looked at last Wednesday on February 9th, and that passage came out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 27. Um, again, that's 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 27. I'll give you just a little bit of time. You can press pause and read that and, uh, and get back with us, and we'll take a, take, a, take a little bit closer look at it. Okay, hopefully you had the time to read that. I would, I would recommend reading that more than once. This is a very powerful um, passage of Scripture that shows us very much the heart of Paul when it came to his ministry for Christ and how he approached um, not only his ministry, but how he approached people in general. Um, couple things just to, to remember before we get rolling. Uh, as we've talked about before, Corinth was a, uh, was a cultural uh, mecca as well as uh, just a, a financially very affluent city. Um, and because of that, there were, there were different sorts of, of events that would take place there. Now, we've already talked about it being the center for, um, for pagan worship, in particular um, the goddess Aphrodite. Um, and so, so that played a role uh, in this letter. But what also plays a role, and it will, it will f- kind of feed into how this passage wraps up, is they the, the city of Corinth every two years hosted the Isthmian Games. And this would be um, competitions, uh, whether it be anything from, from foot racing to, to wrestling, um, just a kind of a, an earlier what we would think of as, as the Olympics. This was, um, now it wasn't worldwide, obviously, but this was, regionally speaking, a very big deal in the Greco-Roman world. And Corinth, this proud city, was the place that host that. So with Paul using athletic metaphor, which he does on more than one occasion in his letters, um, it would speak very well to his audience. All right, and that's kind of where we'll wrap up today. But let's let's get back into um, again is verse nineteen verses nineteen through twenty seven, and we are continuing the question of apostolic freedom. What we looked at last time was the fact that that Paul was was criticized because of his uh, refusal to exercise his freedoms as an apostle. So we talked about that the last time we were together. Now he's moving on to what he does do with his freedoms, or what I should say, probably what he does not do with them. Um, in verse 19, we see right off the bat that Paul would never allow his freedom in Christ to be an obstacle in the way of winning people to Christ. This was very, very important to him. Him. And then he moves from there in the next couple of verses talking about how he will switch the way that he talks, the way he behaves, um, the things that he will practice depending upon the company that he is in. Paul followed Jewish ways when he was in Jewish company. And this wasn't, because we get a, a very specific example of this in Acts 21 verses 23 and 24 when he was on his way back to Jerusalem. Now, Paul did not do this because he was fearful of the Jews, something that he accused Peter of doing um, in, in a different letter. Um, this had nothing to do with fear. 
Paul wasn't afraid of the Jews in any way whatsoever. He stood up to them quite regularly. But what Paul was doing, depending upon the crowd that he was in, was he was building bridges with that audience. Um, Paul never in any of his teaching forbidden a Jew to take part in Jewish custom. He never did this. Um, Jewish custom for Jews was just fine. Now, don't take that too far. The sacrificial system was fulfilled completely through Christ. But all other parts of Jewish custom, he never forbid a Jew to take part in those. Now, moving from them, he moved into those without the law. Now, this doesn't mean a lawless people like a barbarian or anything. It just means in specifically those without the law of Moses, meaning, meaning in particular the Gentiles. And Paul just basically makes it clear that when he is around the Gentiles, he will behave as a Gentile again, once again, to build bridges with them. Um, he does make it clear, though, that he will, know, even though he, he is not following the law of Moses when he's amongst the Gentiles, he will always follow the law of Christ. Um, the law of God that has shown us through the law of Christ. And Christ showed us this law through not only his commands, um, but through his example. His example can be more specifically pointed out in the writing of Paul in uh, chapter 11, we'll get there here before too long, where he says, he says, imitate me as I am imitating Christ. So Christ gave us an example to follow. Um, now, obviously, we're never going to do that perfectly. We're not Jesus, but he gave that example for a reason. And not only that, Jesus gave command, um, many commands. Uh, they can be boiled down to and probably most specifically referred to in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, there, is, there is nothing about the Sermon on the Mount that makes us feel good about ourselves. But the Sermon on the Mount has more than a purpose just to show us that we can, we can never climb the heights to God on our own. We just can't do it. Um, we need a Savior. Um, but the Sermon is more than that. The Sermon was preached by Jesus to show us there is another way to live in this world. There is a way to always put others ahead of ourselves and put their interests ahead of ours. So he says that he will follow the law of Christ. Now, not therefore earning anything, but just following the example of Christ because Christ is his master, his Lord, his leader. Um, now, Paul did have, once again, his, his critics who saw the way Paul behaved around one group and differently around another people group, and they saw this as inconsistency. Um, and to be honest with you, we might be tempted to do the same thing. If somebody matches how they behave, depending upon the group that they're around, we would say, well, this person is just wearing a mask. They're not being consistent. Well, it all has to do with the motive behind someone behaving in this way. And Paul's inconsistency was subject to a higher consistency. And his something that he was always consistent is, is to follow his call, his commission to win the lost. And he would do whatever it took to get that done. Now, moving on, he then moves into this, and he illustrates this with some athletic examples. He talks about the race. This race in the Greek is actually stadion, and it was a 600 feet standard Greek, a standard Greek measure of 600 feet, which we would know that would boil down to 200 yards or 200 meters. That's still kind of a big deal amongst track folks, um, and it's been around a long, long time. And he says, this race that we are in, you must run to win this race by using self-control. 
control. He said, now, the, the athletes who compete in these Isthmian games, speaking to the, the Corinthian audience, that you have they've probably seen themselves, they do all of this work. They, they go through all this self-control, all of this training, so that they can win a wreath made of, the, 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 the typical wreaths at the Isthmian games were made of pine. But prior to that, some of these wreaths that would be placed on the heads of the, of the winners, the champions, would be made out of parsley or wild celery. That just kind of boggles my mind. They'd work so hard for something like that. But, but it's a different culture, different time. But Paul goes on to say what they are working so hard for is perishable. He said what we are running for is an imperishable wreath that is awarded on the day of Christ. Philippians 3 talks um, about that. Paul talks about it in a very personal way. And he said because I want to win that wreath. I run as one who is running with aim, someone who is focused. I box, but I don't box like I'm beating the air. Literally, he says, I discipline myself. Um, and literally, it means I give myself a black eye. Now, it doesn't mean that Paul is popping himself in the eye with his fist. The point that he's getting at is he self-disciplines himself. Self-discipline involves a voluntary yielding of my rights and my liberties in love and hope for the salvation of others. And he says, I do this so that after I have preach to others, I will not be, I myself will not be disqualified. That word preach, literally, it means to perform a task as a herald. It's not a word we use too much anymore. We sing it in Christmas songs, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, but it's to bring a message from someone on high. And he said, that is my job. And after I have done that and been a herald for others, I discipline myself so that I will not be disqualified. And that word's a strong one. It is. Um, and it, it means to forfeit the prize. It's the same word used in his second letter um, to the Corinthians in 13, 2 Corinthians 13, 5 through 7. And um, it is a powerful word. And Paul took this very seriously. So that gives us the heart of Paul. He will do anything to win somebody to the Lord. That is his ultimate goal, and he will become all things to all men so that he might by all means save some. Now, don't misunderstand. Paul knew he wasn't their Savior, but he's leading them to the Savior, his Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. So, wonderful passage of Scripture. I encourage you to get to know it better. Mark up your Bible on this passage. It is excellent. Memorize it. It is a wonderful one. All right, today is Tuesday, so that make tomorrow... Wednesday, February 16th, and we will be covering um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. We'll be jumping back into the subject of meat sacrifice to idols, although it'll take me a while to get fully into um, that subject. So we're going to look at the first uh, 13 verses and, and um, looking at um, some examples from, from the Old Testament. So I hope you're able to join us tomorrow night. Class will begin at 7 o'clock. We'll have a meal at 6 o'clock. I think um, Donna will be cooking that one, so spaghetti casserole if you like that. And that will be followed by classes throughout the building um, for all ages. We would absolutely love to have you. We wrap up very close to 8 o'clock, and so it won't keep you too late that evening. Hope to see you. Hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining us.